Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Hello. Oh, she uh, Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. You. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. Hey. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Welcome to a very special Giving Thanks edition of Fridays, a marriage case study by Amy and Phil. Listen, if you go to business school, for those that, that, that have done that, you will know or you're more than likely going to be studying uh, what's called Harvard Business Case Studies. And what a Harvard Business Case Study is, is it takes a look at a business in depth and studies what makes them successful or what led to their failure. So for example, Amazon. Why are they so successful? What, 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 what have they done? What have they implemented? And, and, and what worked and what didn't? On the flip side, look at Sears. Why, why are they failing? Why, why have they done so poorly lately? And that got me thinking, why not marriage case studies? So here's a great one. I'm really pumped about it. Uh, enjoy, Phil and Amy. All right, now we're live. <laughs> Welcome, Phil and Amy, or shall I say thank you for having me over here. If you can hear, that's Caleb in the background, one of three, yes? Yes. Of your children, the youngest. Yes. Okay. Thanks again for having me over, and um, yeah, you're, you're the guinea pigs. We're going to start off with uh, talking about what works and what doesn't in marriage. And uh, again, I love having Caleb in the background because it, it, it shows what you two have been working for. You know the ups and downs of marriage. And so I have a few questions we're going to start with, but let's just start with the basics. How, how did you meet? We met at work. Uh, Phil's a police officer and I'm a paramedic. And uh -huh. we had, I believe, seen each other maybe on a call or two. And then, then you didn't remember. I didn't remember seeing him at first. You remember, remember Phil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Phil remembers, I don't remember the first technical time. The time I remember was when we were, I was sledding one night. Uh-huh. While working, we had had a snowstorm, and it was in a park in Chocopee, and all of a sudden, an officer came in to see oh, what the there's riff -raff commotion going on in the was. Park the fell. lights yeah. were up because it was around midnight. <laughs> he came in and um, Say, yeah. what, what's going on? They're sledding down a hill on a backboard because they didn't have. Oh, a sled. it was on the, from the backboard from the ambulance. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> see, yeah, this is a makings of Hopefully a movie. Work doesn't find out about this. Oh, I okay. Yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> no. no, but I, I love that. So then, if I remember, Phil, then you said, "Oh, I, I've noticed her before." Yeah. Did I'd you seen, ask her out right then? And, then there. No. Or, okay. I then later on, then called their dispatch and made up some excuse that I needed their number. So then that's how I got their number. So as soon as I saw him in the park, he got out of the squad car and he smiled, and I just literally. Almost fell in love right there. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And I thought, oh my goodness. And then he started talking, and we started talking about snowmobiling and all sorts of stuff that really piqued my interest. And then just a few other times of seeing him, being really nervous around him, and not wanting to ask him out. And then he finally did that little move where he called dispatch and you called dispatch. Got a hold of me and met up at a and gas station for donuts. And <laughs> That's a good stereotype as well. Oh, I love that. And I think it was like literally two weeks later we went snowmobiling together yep. up north. Oh, really? Yeah. Now that's unique. You don't hear that very often either, uh, at least as much. But you both enjoy the winter activities, obviously. 
it was sledding that kind of brought you together in, in, a, in a weird way and then you end up snowmobiling together. Yep. Wow, that's truly, that's a Minnesota fairy tale right there, <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, okay, so that's how you met. How long, when, when was that? Well, that was probably December 14 years ago. 14 years? We've, we got, we've been married 14 years. Yeah, so that so. would have been 15 years ago. Because we met year in before. December and we got married in October. Okay. So we dated you, about a year before he proposed and then we married six months later. And we just had our 14 year anniversary. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. So, um, 14 years. And listen, part of why I'm here, because I just know it hasn't all been fairy, t fairy tales and puppy dog tales or whatever I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's funny because Lori and I just celebrated 25. 25. Nice. And, but I wrote in there, I said, it has not been all puppy dogs and, and fairy tales. And it just, it, it just, the more, I, the more marriages I learn, I meet and, and I really study, the more I learn it takes work. And there are gonna be times of actually great challenge. In fact, one of my favorite sayings as well is, if you haven't had any marriage issues, you haven't been married long enough. Mm -hmm. So part of this Q&A is also, and well, Phil, you know from Fry Dudes, it's you're not alone. Some couples hearing this for the first time who thinks there's, that they either did meet their soulmate or, or, or something's terribly wrong because it's just not going perfect. But the, problem, the truth is, it, it, it doesn't always go perfect. Mm -hmm. So, I met you two, uh, for lack of a better phrase, maybe after the rebound or during the rebound. We, we, did, we did a mission trip down together in Mexico a few years ago. And, um, well, if it's okay, we'll just dive into it. And I know it's going to be a little hard, but again, I want to encourage you to let you know this is going to help someone else that knows I can be at this low point and then work my way back up to a high point. And if you're married long enough, you'll go back lower. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like a valley, yes, where we're climbing up mountains and going down into the valleys. But uh, So one of my key questions is two, right? What didn't work for the marriage and what has worked for the marriage. But let's go first to what didn't work. This is where this is going to set some people free. So knowing that they're not alone. So if you don't mind, where did it, so you started off on a great note and then something happened. It wasn't, wasn't all, it wasn't the honeymoon forever, kids. right? Kids. Okay. <laughs> let's start there. Kids. So again, three kids. Yes. Yes. So it's Elsie is Elsie. seven, almost eight. Seven, eight. Okay. And then Andrew is six. Six. And Caleb is four today. So you were married a good, actually you had a nice honeymoon phase that first yeah, five. just over six years without kids. Did that have any issues? No. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Now that's interesting. Because even, even without kids, a lot, a lot of marriages will have that initial challenge right away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I know pastors that have had a challenge. So you guys were really... Kumbaya. We were. We had no worse. I mean, we had work, but we could take off work whenever we wanted. We never fought. I mean, things were never just. Okay, that's even exceptional yeah, too. Yeah, we just. But when we go fought. back and we look at it, we. I mean, and we've talked about this numerous times. Is when we. I mean, what. What didn't go right? I would think that from the very onset, we never had God centered in our marriage. Uh -huh. I mean, we like her dad married us. Well. We were, I mean, we love to do the same things. We, we don't have conflicting personalities where we, you know, 
mean, we went the first, you know, how many years, six years with Rogue. I can't even remember like a big fight in the first six years I, that we had. You guys were definitely riding on just, you, do, you were at least definitely a good match for having fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, similar interests. And that can work for a while, for sure. I heard you say that God wasn't at the center, but you definitely, it, it's okay. You guys could ride your own commonalities and, and having fun, and you're obviously. Your, your, your right. personalities were gelling. And then sure. we, we were both believers. Yeah. We okay. Had a right. I shouldn't say God centered, but we had a marriage in a church, and you know, God was a part of it, but He wasn't the center, yeah. and it wasn't something that we really heavily relied on. I think you describe a lot. And we even went to like, because her dad married us, we didn't go through any marriage counseling because mm. we walked in this, you know, even oh, no pre-marriage. No, no pre-marriage counseling oh. because we walked into it thinking. I mean, this first year and a half has been great. We don't, our personalities get along. We don't get in arguments. We never thought we would ever need marriage counseling going into it. Mm -hmm. And definitely not pre-marriage counseling. Like, no, we don't need any of that. That's that's not for us. That's for other people. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably what our... We are very naive. In that yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we are very naive on how much work marriage takes. Yeah. Because for those first number of years, it was, I mean... We just had fun. I mean, there wasn't a, you know, like we talked about, we didn't get into arguments. We didn't have those rough patches. We didn't, it was just, we had a ton of fun. That's exceptional. I, again, I have to say, uh, but here, here, here's the part. This is, I guess, some of the couples that need to hear this is, what's going on? Everything, everything was perfect and good. And what happened? And whether it was kids or not kids. And then there's this um, period of disillusionment, right? as I call it. So what I'm hearing there, the theme is um, good, strong relationship from the start. Um, you, you are both believers, yet um, you're doing your thing. Uh, not, not quite God-centered, but it, you guys were, you guys, you guys were doing well. Let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and so well that, and by the way, you're not alone on this either, where we'll never divorce or we're, we're We'll never have issues. Who needs pre-marriage counseling? And then on top of that, who would ever? There's no way we would ever need something like that. Mm -hmm. So something turned though. So again, what you're comfortable sharing again, because this is going out to the public. But if you want to just keep it to generalities, that's fine. But I know it wasn't just kids, right? I mean, the kids can be a challenge, but something, something turned. So right. what, what, you want? You mind going into that a little bit more? Mm -hmm. What so beyond work? the kids, we go into the meat, you know, that's the meat grinder of marriage, I've heard. and It is. They yes. put that stress that and it just kind of pull, starts to pull you apart. You don't even really realize it, but your your attention is going away from each other and it's going more towards the kids. Ah, uh, Unless exactly. you're extremely intentional about not letting So when happen. you could just focus on each other, you were riding well. But again, as much as, and I know you love your kids dearly. That's why you're working at this is, is but you're right. The, the, the focus goes from... You're, you put so much attention and energy into the marriage and have fun together that um, when the kids come, it takes it takes a definite percentage, high percentage of energy and time and focus. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that's real. So that was definitely one challenge. What, what else didn't work? What, 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 what were some of the other challenges? Well, I think it, I mean, it just came down to the fact that we had, I mean, we were married had a lot of fun but I don't think me personally I didn't know how to have that deep relationship with my wife where mm -hmm. I could go to her with the struggles that I was having 
And a lot of it then came back to our communication that we had with each other, that we learned after the fact and through kind of rebuilding our marriage was how can I talk to her and she understands it? And how can she talk to me and I understand it? Where when we would start to de develop some of these issues and some of our hardships in marriage, what I took for her, I always went on the defense and took his criticism. When she was thinking that she was just trying to help, I took it in a completely opposite way of the way that she felt like she was communicating with me. So that, that kind of started and then that evolved into my issues with alcohol or issues or my issues with trust. And then it just kind of our marriage just kind of fell down the pit. I had a really good friend that died of cancer mm -hmm. that furthered my alcohol use. And I think at that point, then it was, you know, then it was me lying to stay afloat, mm -hmm. lying about my alcohol use, lying about everything to put on this, I don't know, this cover of just trying to survive and trying to just stay afloat and keep my head above water. Until it all kind of came to a head and I just couldn't do it anymore. And... That's bold, Phil. That's bold. And again, there's someone out there that's going through the same exact thing. So thank you for setting them free knowing that they're not alone. So Amy, on your side, then you noticed, Phil, the, the, the Phil that you're having fun with and doing all this stuff together. I put words in your mouth so you correct me. Starting to withdraw starting to go more towards that direction and, yeah. and, and being more withdrawn and yep. not, I could tell not his, fun filled. wasn't as happy and wasn't as interactive with the family. And um, I'm trying to think here. Just, you know, it wasn't anything huge and drastic to mm. the point where it was a slow, it was a slow fade. Yeah. It was a slow fade. Yeah. I think most can. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know the extent of, you know, just how broken he was feeling and, you know, just the extent of how much he was drinking, you know, that I... Oh, you didn't even had, realize that? I did not even realize that. Okay. No, it was... So you were able to keep it hidden then for a yeah. while. You were I masking was, it or... I was a very good closet drinker and a good liar, unfortunately. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. I've, I've heard it described, the, the slow fade, as um, each day, you know, kids work. You both have very demanding jobs and schedules. Let's face that. Um, between that and then um, loss of a good friend or a close family member, all this stuff adds up. And, and, and you don't realize it, but you're taking like a step away every day. What's called the slow fade. You don't even, even really notice it until suddenly someone's, someone's like, I don't love you anymore. Or it's like, how would we get miles apart? Is, I'm not saying it's exactly your situation, but again, for anyone listening out there, you're, you're not alone. They're not alone. They're, they're, there's, there's can be a quick fade <laughs> and just boom, it blows up right away. But most, at least most of the marriages I've studied, it, it's a slow, slower fade. And then they're like, whoa, how did it get suddenly so dark and so cold or mm -hmm. distant and quiet? How about, I mean, from your side, it, it, it just... Phil, is there anything on, on your side that you feel like d didn't work or already looking back in, in 14 years of, of where either you went astray or, or that you, you missed or d what didn't work on your side? So many things. <laughs> I mean, you know, we Fair were putting enough. the kids first, even though uh, I knew that, kids that was first. not something Very... that we should do. You know, we weren't making time for just us to go on dates so that we could have those intimate talks so that we could connect more deeply. Um, you know, we were 
going to church, but not, it wasn't a huge priority. It was kind of if it fit in. If it fit in. And um, we just were slowly pulling away from God. You know, we weren't really in the word every day and, Mm. you know, participating in an active faith. And I didn't really notice that. I love that bold confession too on multiple fronts, but one is for all the moms listening out there, it's so natural, it goes to the kids, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes it, it depends on the dad, but especially if they're into sports and stuff like that, I, I, I'm guilty of that where I got too wrapped in, into the kids' sports. I mean, it almost became its own religion. And you wait till your kids absolutely. get a little older. Yeah. It can, at least in our, our world, for sure. This world, absolutely, um, especially the United States. But thank you that bold confession of the, the kids the kids just they, they will take your energy and, and attention and fill you know at Fridays we've talked about this order right I mean the, the proper order at least the way my dad taught me to is it should be it's God marriage and then kids mm-hmm. and then work <laughs> but our worlds invert that right reverse it it's probably a lot of times it's work then the kids, and then maybe marriage, and then if God at all, right? So anyway, and if there's anything else that also falls in your heart on, you know, set some people free of what didn't work, let's go into what worked, or at least there's a low point, yes? I mean, there's a point where, you correct me, but what I heard from you, and I, I personally, I, I know this feeling, like, oh my gosh, this is the path to divorce if we don't make some changes. I, I just, I'm at a cold distance, I'm speaking for myself now, where I'm like, if I don't, if we don't make some changes, or I don't make some changes, oh, I get it, this is, this is how it happens. So, we're, that, so you talk about that low point, then, but what made you act, and what, what was the catalyst to change? What, was it both of you, was it one first, or... Was it together? Was there a big blowout? And then, no, I brought her to church and confessed everything. Ah, uh, all right. So it was heavy on your heart. Yeah. You knew this is not right. It's not working. Going the wrong way. I know what we had before. And now, owning up. Okay. So I, you... I remember he described a short period where he just wrestled with. Whether or not to tell me the truth and, and confess everything, um, you know, he was reading things that were kind of telling him to just move past it, you know, change your ways and move on. And what I didn't know wasn't going to hurt me mm-hmm. type of thing. And he just in his heart and, you know, allowing God in just knew that that was not the way to move forward in a healthy way. And that's what made him decide that he needed to tell me everything. And I think I know for sure that was absolutely huge for me because if I would have found out later on my own Uh that would have been a completely different story it was huge to me that he took that bold step to tell me you know Mm -hmm. to just as hard as that was you know to go through that but to hear that come out of him and to know that that he was just very broken but knew that he needed to you know, just tell the absolute truth. You know, it just made me feel like he was actually making a step in the right direction of righting what has been wronged. Mm. So what I'm hearing here is that the heart, it's weighing heavy. Um, well, they say communication's key, right? But also, Phil, what I'm hearing as well, and Amy is getting in front of it, or at least it's walling for a while, sooner or later, you're like, I gotta get, I gotta get ahead of this. 
And then, of course, Amy, hearing you say is if something's hidden, finding it on your own, it's it's far more damaging versus the getting ahead of it. So, and let, let, let's go this direction then now. I'm feeling it was, so you went to start going to church, but as you know, just going to church, it's usually not enough, at least for most. In fact, most, I would say, and I'm picking some marriages listening to this, they're just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? We did that for a number of years. So just going through the motions. Of so going you start going to church, you're doing some healthy steps. I mean, that's a step in the right direction. What else has worked? I mean, what, 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 at least what's, what's brought you deeper? What's, what's, you said you weren't God-centered. Well, I think we understand why you weren't God-centered, but what has worked to help get you closer to a God-centered marriage? Well, we started out talking to the pastors at church, yeah. and then that led us to go to counseling. Okay. And we found a Christian counselor. We thought that was really important. Uh, I think it's crucial. Christian counselor, and he was amazing. Uh, that's good. So counseling works. No, I don't care. Again, marriage is listening. I don't care how good you think you are. <laughs> it's okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, once in a while, I think we all need counseling. In fact, one of my favorite stories is a pastor. I think at the same church, they were married forty years, four different seasons of counseling. A, a pastor and a marriage family therapist are married. If they could use it, anyone can use it at times, right? So again, thank you. So counseling worked. You when you thought you would never have to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now we're big fans of it. Yeah. Um, I wish we would have done it a long time ago. Forgive me, you got me on fire in this, but I as your words help interject in other thoughts. Keep in mind too, I, I like what you said about a Christian counselor and a pro marriage counselor. Because there's plenty of counselors that are in the business of just navigating divorces. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, the big things with our marriage, I mean, as low as our marriage got, divorce was never a topic. We never once oh, that's spoke excellent. about divorce. It was never mentioned. Even in the lowest point, it was never mentioned. Even if one of us thought it, we never talked about it. Mm. It was, I think we both knew in our heart of hearts that that just was not an option. No matter how much work it took, that was not an option for us. Mm. So yeah. I don't think, I think from the very beginning and the get-go, not even mentioning and putting that option on the table, yeah. It just took it away out of our thoughts and moving forward of, well, this is always an option if this doesn't work. We never even considered it as an option. I mean, maybe we personally thought about it, what if it happened, Hmm. but it was never in marriage counseling and marriage rebuilders and everything that we did and our steps moving forward, that was never a conversation that we had. Hmm. That's outstanding. And I... For any couples, it's convicting in your heart where you, you do drop the D-bomb, I call it. Lauren, I don't use it either. It's just it's just a no-go. Meaning, this is the path could be to divorce, but okay, then we need to work on it. So for those that have used that before, I'm going to encourage you to stop. You, you need to... Um, that's all right. Caleb's good. It's good. It's good background. It, it, again, it reminds everyone listening what you guys have been working at and fighting for. So he's, asked, obviously, a, he's obviously a happy child. For the most part, yes. Stay here for a little longer. It's his birthday. It's his birthday today? Yeah. Oh, happy birthday, Caleb. (laughs) All right. So I think, you know, one of the beauties of marriage marriage counseling is that that was our built-in date day. Oh. So it's like, so we had a built-in excuse to start spending time with each other. So the things that we learned in our marriage counseling and that we were working on, we could immediately leave counseling and start working on those items together. And we would take, I mean, at one point we were going to marriage counseling every week 
So every week we have a built-in date day. Perfect. Where we go to counseling and we go out after and spend the day together and go do whatever we want to do. Just the way you used to, at least going doing stuff together. Yeah. And I think that that was, I mean, it was obviously a very long and slow process. But then once we went through marriage counseling for a while, then we ended up going through marriage rebuilders. You did do that program marriage rebuilders. Yeah. Okay, forgive me. I didn't remember that. Yeah. Or I don't recall it. And we have a few Fridays that are active in that ministry. What, 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 what worked there? I think it was just reinforcement on a lot of the stuff that we learned from marriage counseling. I think it just built upon that. I think they, I mean, for us, I think it worked very well just going through both of them. But I think, because I mean, marriage counseling, you have so much more of an intimate one-on-one with your, mm. with your counselor and marriage rebuilder. You see the other couples around and you see the struggles that they're going through and you see that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, the testimonies were huge. Yeah. Testimonies, People right? People were very open and honest. And I think that was really, really huge to see that in a big group setting. Yeah. But then you break out into your small groups. Yeah. And that's where people get, you know, much more intimate and Phil shared everything there. And, you know, I think it's, it's huge when you bring it out of that darkness into the light and you feel like people aren't judging you and other people have been there. And Mm. he had somebody come up to him or us afterwards and thanked him. This is weeks after actually. Thank him for sharing his Mm -hmm. testimony. And she said that that greatly helped them move forward that she had then decided that she wanted to confess some stuff to her husband because of him confessing everything to the group. And we still see him at Ozana. I don't, there's like, they're not like we're close friends with him, but but there is that, that there's a bond there. We always, you know, every time we see him at Ozana, we always take the time to go over and speak Mm. with them and talk with them and see how they're doing. And this is again, the theme of your, your people realizing they're not alone. But when you're when you are alone in your house, and, and and you're in that zone of your button heads and in in that that negative cycle, um, again those listening. So counseling worked, um, marriage group couple group worked. A program like Marriage Rebuilders worked. Uh, confessions worked. Knowing that you're not alone has worked. And then there's a few key best practices as we'll be wrapping up here pretty soon. But you, there's some cool best practices that I've learned from you, actually, if you don't mind. But um, so you're not you're still part of a couples group as well. It's not marriage or billers. It's your own couples group. Yes, you're sticking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's now how often weekly or it's twice a month or once a month or once a month. Now we've talked about doing twice a month, but it can be a lot, especially with little kids. I get that. But again, the importance we Lori and I also we give a lot of credit to our small group couples group. Um, being that necessary glue, especially in tough times. And if it isn't marriage problems, then it, it, it'll be a health problem, right? Or someone gets cancer. Or, it's just life is hard, I think. Uh, most people think, oh, because you believe in God, everything's going to be easy. No, that's not That's not what the Bible says. It says life is going to be hard. So now you have this, it's almost like another family in a way, yes, a, a couple's group. So anyone listening, I'm going to encourage that. Phil, I'm honored, man, when you can make it. You're, you're fry dudes. You, you get to blow us away with your strategic speaking as i call phil because you may not hear him all the time but when he talks people listen so um thank you for well for that so you i know you're part of the, the, the men's group where also we share best practices what works what doesn't um there's a I, maybe you don't do this every day you you call me on it but something phil you said something during group where you said 
if we have our A game, we'll ask each other, what can I do for you today? Or some, was that, was that the simple question? Is that what you guys really do mm-hmm. every day? Or just, you just drive to? I'm not going to say every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you good. Know, At least you set people free right, on that. We're not perfect. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, we go through phases where you just forget about it. But I think for the I most I love that parts, best practice. I know I heard it from him, though. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I think, okay, so when the A game's going on, I can't think of a better way to start the day. I mean, okay, the Christians out there listening, okay, maybe technically it is prayer. <laughs> Obviously, bring it God first. But then next would be, honey, what can I do for you today? I don't know. Are you both of you service language, by the way? You guys do love languages? Do you know? We've done it. Are um, you both service? She is. I am not. Oh. Yeah. No, I am. Uh, Your words? Affection. What was it? Oh, touch. Yes. Yeah, uh, quality time. Oh, quality yes, time. Okay. Yes, yeah. Oh, that even shows the importance in how much you guys did together earlier on and why you thrived in that. Mm-hmm. And the date days, etc. Your service? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I married Lori, Lori's service. So that's probably one of the best questions I can ask her if if I have my game. Because she, she's always got a list. So I see you're hanging your Christmas lights as yeah, well. Right. So. You asked the question. Please don't say anything. <laughs> what can I do for you? Secretly thinking, don't say anything. I think it's more of a mindset than anything else because there's a lot of days where we don't really have anything or it's just little simple things like could you, you know, take out the trash or do something small just so that when I get home from work, I don't have to worry about doing it. But I think it's just the mindset of putting your focus on your wife and not yourself at the start of the day. You know, and I think that's a lot of what we learned in in counseling and, and marriage rebuilders. It just... As much as I would want to change some things in Amy, I cannot change one part of her. The only thing I can change is myself. Mm. And the same goes for her. I'm sure there's a list of things she wants to change from me continuing, but the only person she can change is herself. Mm. And I think that's one of the big things that we took out of that is that if I want to see some sort of you know, change in our relationship, it has to start with me. And that's the only person I can start with because... As much as I want something to be changed, I can't. Mm. So I think that's one of the big things. And then it's just, I mean, it's just that the mindset of serving your wife, you know, and that's one of the first things, you know, you get up, you get dressed, you know, your spouse takes off for work. It's, you know, send them a text or that first call of the day. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything I can do for you today? Mm. I think it just, it sets your tone for myself going through the day of, putting my wife first mm. and not myself because I'm selfish by nature. That's beautiful. Amy, any other comments on that? Well, it just reminded me of one thing that didn't work that I've done a lot in the mm. past is um, kind of giving him the cold shoulder uh, at times. Like if I'm just a little bit irritated with him, um, it would kind of just, not the silent treatment, but I just wouldn't be as talkative or open and affectionate. And Lord, if can I you would, give it that? <laughs> so you're not alone there. If I would sense him, you know, just not being as affectionate, then that would kind of make me pull away. And then I would think, okay, well, I'm just not going to do that either then and see if he notices. And I tried it so many times and it just never works. He just never catches on to what I'm trying to, you know, subtly tell him. And it's just, it sometimes takes a lot of work to get myself to say, no, I am going to be just as affectionate, more affectionate. I'm going to kiss, I'm going to uh, hug, I'm going to, wow. you know, flirt, I'm, I'm going to turn it on so that, <laughs> so that I can lift him up and then in wow. turn, he can hopefully break that cycle that we were in because we've talked about this. We just get in that cycle. Well, you haven't been as affectionate, so that's why I haven't been as affectionate. 
And it's like, well, somebody has to break that cycle and get out of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've learned a and little bit more to do with that. Like, or love language, affection is not part of my love language. Like, then mm-hmm. it goes back yeah, to the family of origin, where my yeah. family was not an affectionate family at all. Then I marry into Amy's family, her parents, or, you know, her mom, or sisters are hugging and stuff uh-huh. like that. It's like, oh, well, this is all, this is all <laughs> foreign to me. I've never done anything. What's this? That. So then, it, you know, so then it, I carried that into our marriage where her big thing is affection and quality time. Well, uh-huh. that's not ingrained with me. So you it's like... busy, right? You're, you're busy out doing stuff. And yeah, so it's just a, it has to be a constant yeah. thought. And so then one of those times where I'm not giving her that affection that she needs well then she pulls away so then yeah like she said we just get into that vicious cycle of those those oh, valleys and that vicious until cycle. you identify it and you know like she said about just you know if i want to see change out of my husband then i need to change mm. and if i want to see change out of my wife i need to change that's beautiful so we're gonna we're gonna summarize here uh thank you again so much i uh in, in your words if you want it, it, again I, for the couples out there listening they're having that tough time or started having kids or whatever their zone is where it's just, it is, ugh, right? It's, 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 it's not what it used to be. Um, well, best practice here, and then uh, I will end in your words. What I'm hearing here, uh, Christian marriages, those that call themselves Christians listening to this, one, you're commanded to serve your wife as Christ did the church. Are you doing that? That's been a big theme lately with Fridays. Are you worthy, men, are you worthy to be served back, flirted back, right? That's cool, though, but I also admire your words of sometimes you got to rise above. Even if Phil might not quite worthy that day, you're going to try to step up your game, and you're going to try to step up your game. But that, to me, is the ultimate Christ model of selflessness, of instead of putting, um, attaching uh, certain things in order to do this, then I'm going to do this, do this. When you're more selfless versus selfish, mm-hmm. those I, those are the marriages I see doing the best. So uh, in summary, any, any other closing comments? I'll just say advice. Advice to those that, that are struggling. <laughs> uh, I would say, I mean, seeking counseling. Seeking groups, seeking others. So check your pride, check your ego. Yeah, and that it's I mean, okay to no talk. What you need to talk. There's think about there. counseling. I mean, we were never. I mean, not like we were anti-counseling, but we were. We never thought until we got into yeah, the it's thick a of it. Well, it's a stigma, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. it's terrible and, uh, that there is. Yeah, because we have no problem going to a, a clinic for parenting your children, or or, or working out and getting on on a better fitness plan. But there's there is a stigma. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, marriage, you're working on your marriage, then what's wrong with you? What's wrong? I mean, I, everyone that's healthy marriage should be working on it, always. But yeah, I think, you know, love comes, or it comes down to love as a choice. You can either choose to love, love or, that. You, or you, you don't. And I think, you know, it also, <laughs> it comes down to, I think a lot of marriages, they just, they lose this, this hope that their marriage can either be saved or yeah. that they can move forward in their marriage, but... From the pits of our marriage, there is no reason that other marriages can't bring that love back. Because we always, we, I mean, we talk about it from time to time about how mm. how a couple will go from that that honeymoon in the marriage and how much they love each other mm. to the pits of their marriage, and now they just despise that person. But I think we both are believers that that marriage or that love that was first found in those first years of marriage yeah. can definitely be found. 
but that has to come from both sides of it. Both sides have to be willing and committed to work on the marriage to bring that love back, but it can happen. Uh, I love it. Thank you. Amy, and actually Caleb, you're giving me an opportunity too, birthday boy. I didn't realize your birthday. Happy birthday. You want to talk in the microphone a little bit while you love your mom and dad? Oh, I hope you shot it. Oh, you think about it. <laughs> Amy, any closing advice on, on top of what Phil said? Honesty. Mm. You know, I just complete openness. You know, when he shared everything, it inspired me to share things that I had in my past that mm. it wasn't necessarily anything that directly impacted our marriage or things that I had done in our marriage, but it, it was just a freeing time for me to say like, yeah, I've done some bad things too. And you know, here it is. And it really, it just opened these gates for us to just be completely honest and to just say, we're not hiding anything at all and just mm. open up those lines of communication. It's such a good best practice, and again, those listening, it that they hide it, but then it festers, and then it builds, and then uh, it it just it doesn't do any good, does it? Keeping it down. So no. thank you, thank you both so much, especially on Caleb's birthday. I didn't realize that, but I'll, I'll end on this note. I don't think there's any greater gift to give your kid than making your marriage work and and showing your kid a healthy mom and dad, or at least. We have our issues, but then this is how we're going to rise above, showing that this is how God works. Couple, couples groups work, right? Giving these kids uh, the best life they can under one roof possible. I think this is ideal. It's not always real for those that are convicted on that and, and maybe lost that opportunity. But for those fighting for it, that's what you two are doing. I knew, I knew there's a reason I needed to interview you. So I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Just giving that to your kids is a huge, huge gift. One of the best gifts you can ever give them. So those still in their first marriages with kids and, and you're, you're at this pivot point, let Amy and Phil be your inspiration. This is, this is why you work towards it. This is the best gift possibly you can give your kid is a healthy relationship. Give them an example. And it, I think it's interesting. When people think about themselves. They're like, well, I can justify this. But if you think about your kids... You don't want your kids to divorce if you can help it, right? You want them to have a good relationship. And, of course, their grandkids, etc. So you're giving them an example, hopefully, for generations to come and to follow. So thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. That was... Thank you so much, Amy and Phil. That was excellent. Can you imagine our society if more marriages worked on what works, avoided what didn't work? As we go into a season of thanks, by the way, that should be every day, right? Not just one day. Let's start with the spouse. Tell your spouse daily what you're thankful for, and then ask them, what can I do for you today? What an epic best practice by Phil and Amy. Overall, I'm giving thanks for those that choose to love, those that choose to show their kids how to make marriage work, including getting coaching and guidance during tougher times. Remember, you know, one of my favorite sayings, if you haven't had marriage issues, you haven't been married long enough. When tough times strike, choose love. Choose what works. Share what works. Jesus says that love is greatest of all. Whether you believe in him or not, it's, it's kind of hard to argue that. After this sesh, could you and your spouse talk about the marriages that you care most about? Would you be willing to share this podcast with them? Share best practices. Thank you so much on that. And on that note, you know we love to end on a meaning, meaningful song. I'm going back to the Grover Washington well, just the two of us. Add it to your playlist. 
Maybe make this your pregame date night song. Heck, make it your post-argument rally song. Enjoy. I see the crystal raindrops fall and the beauty of it all is when the sun comes shining through to make those rainbows in my mind when I think of you sometime and I want to spend some time with you just the two of us Just the two of us, we can make 